Welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. As the founder and CEO of Peterson Wealth Services and a former number one ranked jockey, Billy knows what it takes to succeed. In this podcast, Billy and his team will help equine enthusiasts, business owners, and retirees understand the keys to financial freedom. Saddle up and get ready for a ride you won't soon forget on how you can harness your wealth. Hello again, fans. Welcome to the show today, Harnessing Your Wealth. I'm your host, Billy Peterson. Today, I'm joined by my two compadres, Cade and Sean, in the office. We have a lot to go over in a short period of time, but we wanted to kind of get back to the basics here today with you. You notice that we have several guests on different backgrounds, industries, quite a few people that represent horse racing and that's just a plug from my background and the people that I know who are, in my opinion, quite interesting and have some neat stories to tell. But today we wanted to move in back into the circle of investing, financial matters, and really what makes an investor or a person in general just successful in life and in building wealth. And we think we have some really very basic steps for you all to consider that can make the difference and really put you on a different pedestal or platform when it comes to building this wealth. And I wanted to just maybe go back in time and give you a bit of a context about what where this came from. And we, we talked about this being just small things that can lead to big results. And most of you know, I was a jockey for many years in my previous career. And I learned that Oftentimes, it's the little guys. And I don't say that in jest. I mean, in particularly, particular with the people doing the behind the scenes work that can make a difference, a huge difference in the outcome of your career. And for me, I understood that paying attention to the grooms, for example, and relating to them and just being nice to them, speaking to them in the mornings at the barns. And once I built up a relationship with a lot of these grooms, I found that it was almost immediate positive results for me in gaining and garnering good mounts within that barn because they have a lot of impact and influence on the trainer, whether you know it or not. And I learned that early on is just doing the right thing and being, being able to talk and have a conversation with these guys and treat them like they were part of the team, whereas a lot of other guys didn't and just kind of uh, look past them, so to speak. So that was important for me. A lot of the racetracks I would go to, I'd make it a point to stop by, talk to the grooms, ask them what horses they liked, ask them if when they were going to be working these horses. And you know what? They would tell me and they would have these horses saddled, ready to go. Hey, to, we'll, we'll be working these four horses on Friday. Show up and um, we'll have them ready. And, Hey, I had inside information <laughs> and it helped me a lot in moving my career forward. And I think that's a lost art. We talked about this in the office yesterday. I've given out dozens of graduation gifts in the in the past several years to local high school kids. And I'm I'm really good to help kids and acknowledge their graduation and send them some money. And I've only received two thank you cards or responses in those years I've been doing this. And it just kind of shows you that there's a small percentage of people who are willing to do these little things. And it takes 
what, 10 seconds? I mean, maybe even if it took five minutes, write out a thank you card, send it. That person is then going to remember you and more likely to help you going forward with your career when you have a question or maybe a job interview or you need a recommendation. But the people that just take that as if it was an entitlement, they didn't they didn't really put themselves in a better spot in my mind. And I think that's the case for most people. Just a small step. So we're going to talk about small steps can lead to big things here today. And we're going to go into several different points that I think are important and all of us do in how to build wealth and do it the old fashioned way. All right. This isn't get, get rich quick talk today. Is this a little bit of a book tease? Yeah, we can talk about the book, the my book, which is going to be coming out hopefully this fall, is called Diaries of a Jockey. And so it's going to deal with a lot of the stories that I encountered and have to share things that I learned in my life. Hopefully it can make an impact on people and better their lives too. So that will hopefully be coming out. Thanks, Caden, yeah. mentioning that for me. Yep, excited to read it. I'll I'm excited it's written because, you know, sometimes we go down to Billy's office and he's knee deep writing his book and we can't even talk to him. So I'm, I'm glad you got it down, Billy. Turn around and walk out, right? Yep. Just leave. Yeah. Yep. That's the best. You guys are learning, you know, it takes you a while sometimes. Sometimes you come in here and just sit on anyway and, you know, just bug me, but Hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Number one rule I have is to start early. When you're trying to build wealth and investing, it sounds pretty trivial, pretty minor detail. Everyone says that, start early. Okay, but what if I didn't? <laughs> what if I didn't start early and it's a little late for me now? Well, that doesn't mean you just give up. Start early means start today. So even if you're 50 years old and you haven't started investing, start now. And so the key here is don't procrastinate. Remember, most of the population does. You have to be different there. It's really just taking action. Just put something in place and get started. Now, if you're fortunate, you're listening to this and you're young or one of those kids that we've helped at one of our financial boot camps, and you did take our advice and started when you're 14 or 16 or 17, okay, you're going to be on your way and reach back out to us when you're 40 years old and you're going to be quite amazed at what's happened. That's my number one rule to start early. Yeah. And I think that gets kind of pounded in, well, most people's heads, I would say, maybe, maybe not others when they're younger, but hey, start a savings account, get going, put some money in the bank. And what I want to talk about is that's a good thing, but you don't want to always take the safe route because taking the safe route and investing, that's exactly what it means. You're looking at a bank or a credit union. You're in, you're putting money into CDs, money market accounts, and it it's safe, right? It's always there. But on the flip side of that, the returns aren't there over time. So you're thinking, hey, my money never goes down. The, the stock market's too crazy. I don't want to want to get into that. And you think you're doing the right thing. And it it's a good first step. But we're always trying to encourage younger investors um, and even our retired clients. We can't be all in safe investments. And that's a common misconception is, hey, I'm getting 65 years old. I'm retiring. I don't want to have any in the money in the market. It's too risky. And once we sit down and educate our clients 
and talk to them about long-term returns. Cause even at 65, you still got a long, long life expectancy ahead of you that, you know, the markets are not gambling. It's not like going out to Las Vegas and putting money on a craps table markets. If you do it right and you research the correct funds, the correct stocks, um, the good, you know, good bonds that are out there. Yeah. It's taking some risk, but over time, and I can show you a number of different charts the returns have been quite well. So yeah, stepping one, up, go ahead, Bill. Sorry about that. I'm jumping in. I'm going to give a couple of stats on these. If you do CDs, you're investing in CDs. We've got some interesting material here from Hartford that goes back to 1964 and the different environments for CD rates. Back in 64, CDs were at 4.3%. So you let's just say, for example, you put $100,000 in a CD. Well, your obviously your annual income would be $4,300. Let's put that into context of what things cost back in 1964. <laughs> what could you buy here, guys? There's a trivia question. What could you buy for forty three hundred dollars in 1964? I would a say car. new car. You're correct, but actually, you're a little bit under underweight there because you could buy two new Ford Mustangs for forty three hundred dollars. Two new oh, Ford wow. Mustangs, Sean. You can appreciate that. Yeah. Now I'm going to carry this out just a minute. Give me a second here. 1984. CD rates have actually doubled 8.85%. So now your 100,000 is producing $8,850. Now we have inflation. So that same income would, or that income on that same CD would be only able to buy one Ford Mustang, plus you get 100 full tanks of gas. Now go out to 2004, another 20 years, CD rates were at 2.5%. Six or two point seven percent. So you're making about twenty seven hundred dollars a year. But the only thing you could buy on that is the engine kit for your Mustang. <laughs> now, finally, go to twenty twenty three. Rates have popped. We're hearing a lot of people talking about CDs again, aren't we, guys? Yes. Uh, let's lock up some CDs or buy some treasuries or buy some bonds because the rates are just great. It sounds too good to be true. Okay, we put a hundred thousand in CDs and we make fifty three hundred dollars in annual income. What can you buy with that in, in today's environment, guys? A set of tires, one bag of groceries. <laughs> yeah, you can buy the exhaust system kit for your Mustang. Okay, so think about that in just context to kind of blow your mind uh, what money does for you. And you're still piling in, buying and re reinvesting in that same CD. You haven't grown anything on your purchasing power. Matter of fact, you've lost a tremendous amount of purchasing power. Well, what you're talking about there is real return, right? Correct. You, yes, you take the, re the return you earn on your investment and then you need to subtract out inflation and that gives you your real return. So right. yeah, the rates have seemed enticing, but when you really peel it back and look, it's not that beneficial. That's why it's, you, you got to keep your money working for you because everything else is going up cost-wise. And one, crazy. one way to do that, that's worked for all of us and a lot of our clients is making it automatic. Nowadays, everyone is so eager to dish money out every month if it's a streaming service or something of the sort. Why not just make it automatic to put money into a, an investment account? That way, you're doing your investments for the month and then the rest of the money you can spend on whatever else. And that way, you're not having to sit and think about, oh man, I need to invest some money. It's just going to come out every single month like a bill and one positive there is that when the market's down, you're still buying shares. So you're going to be able to get more shares when the market's struggling. 
Yeah. How do you set that up? Maybe our well, listeners would like to learn how to do that. Some of them don't know. A couple of ways. One way that we do it uh, is a ACH profile, automated clearinghouse. You can set that up and we'll just pull the money directly from your bank. You can set it up weekly. You can set it up every two weeks, every month, every pay period that you have and whatever amount you want. You know, some people only add $20 a month. At least it's something. And then mm-hmm. we have others that are adding 20000 a month. So yep. there's no there's no income limits or, or wealth disparity there. It's just adding. And so. I just to piggyback off of that, Cade, a lot of you are out there in the workforce still um, or entering the workforce. 401ks, they're part of this automatic plan. So every time you get paid, you're putting money into your 401k and, and you're making that automatic and you just don't, you won't feel that. Okay. People think, Oh, I can't afford it, but I promise you, you, you will figure it out. You know, that 50, that $500 a month, whatever you start with within your budget, just start there. And it's usually a percentage of your income. You know, we tell people if, if someone just asked me and I don't know them, they said, how much money do you recommend someone should save? I say 15% of your gross income is what the target should be. Maybe you can start there. Maybe you can't, but say you start at 10, your goal should be either put it in your phone, an annual reminder, raise your percentage, 1%, 2% a year. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it matters. It's just like the game of golf. One stroke can make the difference if you're a pro in a hundred thousand dollars in in pay or prize money. So make that automatic, make the increases happen. Maybe it's every time you get a raise, you're like, oh, I'm going to put more into my 401k. And it seems small and it seems minuscule at the time, but we've seen it. It adds up uh, to millions of dollars over time. It's just like the return. Yeah. Just like the return argument, a 1% increase in the return can have a monumental difference in the long-term nature of your total portfolio. So yeah, continued increase. The thing about the increases that I I like to tell people is do it when others are decreasing. So when do most people want to decrease or get out of investing or stop it? When the markets are bad, when it's scary. Correct. Mm -hmm. So the fear is at the highest and that's when the investments are at the lowest. And that's just counterintuitive. I mean, I know it's hard. We all talk about this and people out there listening Remind yourself that there's going to come another time when you're going to be afraid. What creates the fear? The fear is driven largely by the media. The media can distort any story and blow it completely out of proportion and make it sound as if the earth is completely crushing, being destroyed. It's it's chicken little. You know, have you ever heard that story Mm -hmm. as a kid? I remember that story quite well, reading it, my mom reading it to me, but the sky is falling, sky is falling, and then running around telling everybody it's going to happen, and and everybody gets panicked, but days go by, days go by, and the sky doesn't fall. So remember that. You're going to be okay. When others are getting out, stopping investments, selling their investments, that's what creates the opportunity. If you have the wherewithal, if you have the strength of mind to know that things are going to be okay again, don't fall into that trap. That separates the good investor from the great investor and also from the terrible investor. And we know them. They're the ones that cave into the and to that fear and that emotion. And they want to d- jump or sell whenever the fear is at the highest and the opportunity is the, at the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. We see that uh, time and time again. I, I, 
I was uh, golfing with a a gentleman the other day. I I just met him for the first time. They let me play with them. And we were talking a little bit about this when he found out what I do for a living. And he was talking about his 401k. You know, he's like, I put into it all the time. And I'm like, oh, that that's good. I mean, what do you what do you invest in in your 401k? And he he looked at me and he's like, I don't know. It just goes in there. It'll grow, right? And I'm and I <laughs> it made me think because uh, you know, I think a lot of people would say that where they say, I don't know, it just goes in there. The company handles it, right? And that's that's not true. It's going into the 401k. That's just the the vehicle, okay? It's just the account type. You got to take it a step forward and you've got to, this is our next step here. And it's just a little one, choose the right investments. Okay. What if, what if your money is going to the 401k and it's just getting invested in a money market fund or maybe a ultra conservative fund, or maybe a fund that's way too aggressive for your age. It's important to just sit down and look at the different investment types that are offered to you, whether it's in a 401k, in your investment account, whatever you're looking at and, and do a little research. And if you're not sure how to research funds, because I'll guarantee 90% of people aren't sure, that's what a financial advisor can do for you. They can help you look at what are the fees the fund is charging? What's the risk profile of that fund? Does it make sense for you at this point in your life? And you know, and I, I keep saying one fund, you're probably going to have a collection of funds. You're going to have some that are a little more conservative, some that maybe are income-oriented, some that are more growth-oriented, and coming up with that right asset allocation that matches your own risk profile and your own financial goals, it's huge. So I, I just kind of want to you know, put that out there that you, you've got to take a step, understand where your money is going, and if it's going in the right spots. And always thinking forward. Remember, always. We, we talk about look forward, don't look in reverse. A lot of people just analyze the fund performance for the year. So they're looking backward mm -hmm. and they're not thinking about, hey, what's coming? What's ahead of me? And I need to make my investment decisions based on what's coming ahead, not what has already happened. Yeah. You'll see people look and say, well, that, that fund did awesome last year. I'm going to put all my money into that. And sometimes you want to go a little bit opposite. Maybe you want to look at a fund that hasn't done as well because the market's changed. The, the, like Billy said, the the outlook has changed going forward and make some adjustments. Mm -hmm. Huge. That leads into the next point we have here is just to remain calm. It <laughs> seems so simple, but it's not. People come in and, and talk to us all the time and say they're not worried when the market goes down. They understand that it's going to ebb and flow and they'll be the ones to call us you know, concerned when the market drops. And I always like to... Go back to the baseball example. For those of you who don't know, I'm a really big Red Sox fan. And the pitcher is someone who always has the attention on them. They're the ones that control the pace of the game. And oftentimes, you know, you can get in a sticky situation. But once you look around and you realize that you have teammates behind you, you have a pitching coach, you have a head coach, you have all of these guys supporting you, that's when you realize that maybe everything's okay. So there's a couple of things that I, that I have here to help remain calm or to remind yourself to remain calm when the market struggles. And first one is to rely on your financial advisors. I mean, we do this for a living. So we're looking at the markets every single day. And if you have good financial advisors, you can rely on them. It 
give them a call, talk to them about what's going on. What are you concerned about? And they're going to answer your questions if they're you know, doing a good job for you. The next one that I like, and I wanted to ask you guys, this is, <clears throat> I like to call it a third place. Find a third place if you're stressed out or if you're anxious about something. So what would you guys say your third place is? Excuse me, we're almost in the home stretch for the episode. But before we cross the finish line, I just want you to know that you can contact Billy and his team at www.petersonws.com or by visiting the show notes. Now, back to harnessing your wealth. My third place, your if third I'm worried place. and anxious about something. It's not work. It's oh, not I'm going golfing, man. Family. Okay, I'm, I I'm going golfing. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm going, going to the out, gym. I'm hanging out with my horses. I'm just going out there and being with them. You know, uh, for me, you, you start to think about what are the horses worried about today? <laughs> Do they care about the market or their client or their... No, they're just wondering if they're going to get fed <laughs> tonight. <laughs> and so go back to those little basics and say, these horses are fine. They're not stressed out. They're not uh, dealing with all these problems and pain. And, you know, we talked about that on the last podcast, chronic pain, all these emotions can lead to devastating results. So that third place for me is out there or in the mountains. I've come to realize that I might need a fourth place because I'm always feeding your horses (laughs) or helping Morgan with, (laughs) with the ranch's horses. Okay. Think about the character you're building. You remember character character. I never realized I'd be turning into my dad, but that's pretty much what we all do. I think is I remember my dad telling me when I was growing up on the farm, grab that pitchfork and shovel that shit. Yeah, it's going to build character. So I didn't. It I does too. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't need character, dad. <laughs> Kate, I like that. The the third place. And I, I think that's good because if you make decisions and take it, any decision, not an investment decision, any decision in your life and go back and think, if you made a decision when you were emotional, you were angry, you were upset. I bet nine times out of 10, you might've made the wrong decision. And if you had taken the time to reflect, assess, assess the facts, look forward and kind of, I don't know, ground yourself, if you will, and then made a decision, I think you would make a better one. And it's, it's the same thing with, with investing. And that's why, you know, having someone to rely on like our team, I mean, Billy, are you, are you pushing 30 years yet in this industry? You're getting close. Getting closer. Yeah. 25, yeah. 26, 26. And my experience and Cade's experience, we've seen different markets. We've seen the ups and downs. So we, you know, we like it when, when clients call and they, they need some reassurance in their investments. And lately I've, you know, through last year when the market was down, you know, almost every single month, one of the best things I think we did is we sat down with clients and we said, all right, let's look at the holdings that you have. How have they done, not over the last year, have they done over seven years, 10 years, 15 years, even some of them 20 plus years? That kind of gives you that reassurance like, hey, we've been here before and it it helps you remain calm. It refocuses you on what to be excited about with your investments going forward. And one thing I'll add to that is when the market is down like it was, I, we like to use the comparison of, you know, at some point in your life, you're probably going to be a homeowner if you're not already. If you're, if you get your tax notice and it's down 20 to 30%, you're not going to run out and sell your home. You're just going to wait until it comes back because it always has, right? So that's what we use to, 
to explain the clients that this has always come back. There's no need to make any RAS decisions. You have good holdings, like Sean said. We review your holdings. We make sure that you're in a good spot. Yeah. And this doesn't mean that you know you shouldn't pay attention when things are getting right. rocky. And I would say the folks that are speculating are in these high-risk, high-risk investments. They have a lot more to worry about than those who are invested in good quality companies that have been around for a number of years and have earnings and have customers and have buildings and products and services that they sell. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to remain calm if you're all in Bitcoin. Yeah, you should <laughs> probably be pretty damn nervous right now. Well, I remembered, and I'm just going to wrap this up here, but being calm almost always has, the, has a better outcome for us when we are able to just get through the storm, the noise and the, the worries. You know, there's a great baseball movie that I love. It's one of my favorites called For the Love of the Game. And Kate will know this one, but if you watch that movie, you you see the the main actor. He's the pitcher. Hold and on. What do you mean? Just Cade will know the Kevin Costner movie, right? Okay, Sean. I, I'm okay. sorry. You well, don't. Like my favorite movie of all time. Don't leave me off. out. All right, go okay, ahead. So, Bill, sorry. And, so let me let me just go to the point here. Kevin Costner is the pitcher, and he has this this his his plan here. When he's on the mound, he has this system process where he says to himself, clear the mechanism. And all the fans are going crazy and the stadium's loud and noise. And he's he's got, you know, all this pressure on him to throw the perfect pitch. And he clears the mechanism and everything goes completely silent. And I think that's such a great analogy to use when you're talking about investing and all of the noise that's going on from the media and from your friends and coworkers or whoever else that you're talking to about the markets and what you need to do. We need to do something. We need to do something. And you just clear that mechanism, shut it all down, be calm. I remember, and this was long before this movie came out, but in 1995, I had the horse in the All-American Futurity. And they win a lot of cash and ESPN was there and everybody was there. That this, I mean, the stadium was packed. There were hundreds of thousands of people there. It's the biggest race of my life. And of course, I'm on the favorite. And I knew what kind of horse I had. And part of me was wanting to get nervous. Like, don't screw this up. What if you screw this up? What if you do this? What if you do that? What if you fall off? What if you, you know, if you stumble? And I just remember sitting in that jocks room the hour before the race with all the film crews, people interviewing me. And I just remembered telling myself, control your breathing and everything's going to be okay. And I just smiled and I just believed that. And it was just a matter of truly transforming my thought pattern, my belief, everything was going to be fine. And I just, everything was fine. And I wasn't, my heart stopped racing. Everything was quiet, calm, got on that horse, just like I was going for a Sunday stroll in the mountains. <laughs> and you know, the horse did the work. I never even uncocked my stick in that race, but I just let everything happened the way it was supposed to. I didn't try to get in the way of it. Not much you can control when the markets are going down. You just have to remain in the boat and understand that everything's going to be fine. It's those little decisions that you make that can transform everything, whether it's a good one or a bad one. If you make a bad one and you jump out the wrong time, it's very difficult to ever recover. So the last thing is just 
don't pay a lot of attention to this daily, weekly, or monthly movement. You know, when I first got into this business, it was 1996, I guess. And I just retired. It was December. I'd already had my license. So I was still riding racehorses and they allowed me to go to the brokerage firm and study for this exam. It was a tough exam, obviously, but I was studying and riding and doing all those things at the same time. It was a monotonous schedule, very difficult schedule. Um, but I still made it through and decided, Hey, I wanted to hang up the jock boots and I wanted to move into this, this kind of a career, but it was a, it was ingrained into me that you have to know everything. You have to show up before the market opens every day, an hour ahead. You have to watch everything, read everything, know everything and know where the Dow is, know where the bond market is, know what the price of oil is, what the price of gold is, what the 10 years doing. And so it was like a panic every day. You have to know all these things. And the more I went along, the more I realized I don't need to know everything like that every day. It doesn't matter. And I try to stress that to our clients. What the Dow does today or tomorrow, next week does not matter. Don't get caught up in all of that because what we're doing is we're focusing on the long term. So it makes very, very little difference to me what the price of gold is tomorrow, what the price of a barrel of oil is tomorrow. I'm going to watch the trends. Yeah, I'm going to stay up on it. So, you know, on a, on a regular basis, on quarterly basis, things like that, we're looking at it. We know what we're talking about, but we don't get caught up in the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, in and out. We're not day traders. And I found that to be a fool's game to try to jump in and out with trades. We're more focused on what's going on on a trend basis, on a longer term basis. So just keep those little things in mind as you're going about your life today or your world and what it is you're doing and thinking about. Put a little checklist together of some things that you want to accomplish. And I hope that a few of these resonated with you because they're easy steps. They don't take a lot of thought, a lot of skill. They don't take a lot of knowledge or education. They just take some doing. And once you've put those things into, into action or decided that you want to do something about this, it, it'll all start working very smoothly for you. And pass this on to the younger generation too, because I think they need to learn this more than they are in schools. So many students learn so many things in high school that they never they never look at again when they get out into the real world. So we're glad you joined us today. Cade, Sean. Thanks for having me or having us, Bill. Yeah, you guys did great. Maybe I'll have you on again. Keep oh, up man. the good work, you know. Keep trucking along. All right, guys. Fans out there, thanks for joining us for again our show, Harnessing Your Wealth. Stay tuned for the next one, and and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Peterson Wealth Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.